from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. Thank you for being with us this morning. I'm live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Rumble. Good morning, y'all. And I hope everyone's having a good week because it's getting feisty out there. So yesterday we talked a little bit about solar winds. Well, there's a lot more information now. We'll be talking about that on the show. We've also got a bunch of news with the Move It breach continuing to just pile on victims. And, you know, it's good to report on the victims. But then it's important to understand the significance of this breach. Other than big names, really, the data that we're seeing being released there is 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 negligent at best. Now, not to say not to dismiss data breaches, but nonetheless, that's the case there. So no snake oil salesman stuff on this show. So thank you all for being here. Please make sure to subscribe. Check out our Substack. And without further ado, join me for a my double espresso this morning. What do you guys drink? I mean, I know uh, Vladimir's starting it off with coffee, but you know everyone else who's who's watching. What are you guys drinking? What is your morning beverage? Is it coffee? Is it tea? Is it a Celsius? Is it Red Bull? Is it water? Coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. In the comments. My espresso super super hot this morning. By the way, check out our Substack, jamesazar.substack.com for all the latest. You can also be catch some of our new stuff that's going to be going exclusively there so siemens is now confirming a data breach after the move data theft attack siemens is the latest to join the long list of victims of the clop ransomware data theft attack using the zero day vulnerability in the move transfer platform siemens munich base has 91,000 employees and has an annual revenue of around 35 billion it designs, develops, and manufactures a wide range of industrial products, including industrial control systems, state-of-the-art power, heat generation units, renewable energy systems, on- and off-site energy delivery systems, and flexible power transmissions. The reason this one is going to be a bit more sensitive is, depending on what's in there, could have monumental impact downstream for Siemens. Uh, as part of Klopp's extortion strategy, they first list a company's name under data leak site to apply pressure, followed by the eventual leaking of data. They probably try to blackmail them and see if the companies will engage them in some sort of, uh, you know, negotiation to to buy back the data. Schneider Electric is also investigating. Klopp claims to have stolen data from the competitor and another industrial giant, Schneider Electric. The French multinational company with an annual revenue of just over $37 billion specializes in digital automation and energy management. Their products are used in a broad range of vital industries worldwide. Schneider became aware of the vulnerabilities impacting progress move its transfer software. They've promptly deployed available mitigation. So there's that. The fallout will continue here. The New York Department of Education also admitted that they were also victims of it. Millions of Oregon and Louisiana citizens also learned that the driver's license have been stolen in the attack carried out by the group. Additional victims include the U.S. state of Missouri, the U.S. state of Illinois, Zealous, uh, along with its customers, BBC, Boots, Aerolingus, and Ireland's HSC, Offgam, the government of Nova Scotia, the American Board of Internal Medicine, and Extreme Networks, all are part of this long, long list of victims. CISA is now warning that a recently patched vulnerability affecting some of the network-attached storage unit, the NOS unit's products made by Zixel, have been exploited in attack. Uh, the Taiwanese defense manufacturer published an advisory last week. We talked about it here on the show. 
Well, now CISA is saying that there is an active attack and they're seeing uh, known exploits targeting it. This specific vulnerability was added to the Kev catalog. That's the known exploited vulnerabilities that CISA maintains. It's now got like a thousand of them. Uh, there do not appear to be any public details on the attack exploiting the Zixel NOS product vulnerability, but it's not uncommon for CISA to be the first to issue warning over the exploitation of the flaw. By the way, the CISA standard for this, y'all, is this. The CISA standard for known uh, exploit vulnerabilities is very simple. It's, is there an exploit? Can it be done? Then add it. So that, it's two questions. In other news, UK banks are really having a hard time implementing secure DMARC levels, according to research. Research is suggesting that UK banks are lagging on email cybersecurity measures, exposing customers, staff, and stakeholders to increase risks on impersonation. More than half of the banks incorporated in the UK are lagging on something as simple as adding DMARC, which is a domain-based message authentication reporting and, conf- and conformist uh, uh, level of implementation. Only 47% have implemented it. This, is, it. this literally takes 10 minutes. And we wonder, you know, we constantly wonder why I brought this story. I had uh, um, one, one of our uh, listeners this morning, Vladimir, I had him on the CISO Talk podcast. Uh, a while ago, I think 2019, pre-COVID, because we did it in person. He was sitting right here behind me. We're sitting, this wall behind me looked very different back then. And Vladimir brought up something very important then. And he said it on the podcast. It's resonated with me since four, almost four and a half years later. Here's what he said. 90% of cybersecurity can be stopped by basic blocking and tackling. Meaning if you just implement the right CIS controls, if you just do the basics well, you're eliminating 90% of your threat. And banks are known, we know that criminals love to fish banks' customers. We know that banks are prone to data leakage of customer information. DMARC is a great way to give yourself some level of fighting chance there for you and for your customers and your employees. And yet, 53% of banks in the UK don't feel like it's worth the 10 or 15 minute time investment to actually implement it. And that's the state of security, y'all. Not the Verizon DBIR, not anything else. This is just a picture. Something as simple as a 10-minute project. Small businesses implement DMARC on a GoDaddy platform. They do it in a minute. They literally do it in a minute. So sad state of, 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 our, of our state of security. Um, and by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll try to, after the show, I'll put the link in uh, LinkedIn and YouTube for the episode with Vladimir so, so y'all can go and watch it. All right, so um, uh, go check it out. You, you definitely want to listen to it. A ransomware threat called 8Base has been operating under the radar for over a year and attributing to a massive spike in activity. According to the VMware Carbon Black researchers Deborah Snyder and Faye Carlisle, the group utilizes encryption paired with name and shame techniques to compel their victims to pay their ransoms. The 8Base has an opportunistic pattern of compromise with recent victims uh, spanning across varied industries. 8Base, according to statistics gathered by Malwarebytes and NCC, has been linked to 67 attacks as of May of this year, with about 50% of the victims operating the business services, manufacturing, and construction sectors, the majority of the targeted companies are located in the U.S. and Brazil. With little known about the operators of the ransomware, its or- origins remain something of a cipher. What's evidence is that it's been active since at least March of, la- of 2022, and the actors describe themselves as simple pen testers, likely just some, uh, an amateur group of cyber criminals. And if they're targeting the U.S. and Brazil, they're likely Portuguese and English speakers. That's where they know. That's where they feel comfortable playing. And so that's why it's there. 
Most enterprise sims are blind to miter attack tactics, according to latest research. Another, uh, you guys want to have more fun on this morning's show? Let's talk a little bit more about some of our practitioner challenges. Despite enterprises' best efforts to shore up their security information and event management postures, most platform implementations still have massive gaps in coverage, including missing more than three quarters of the common techniques that threat actors use to deploy ransomware, steal sensitive data, and execute other cyber attacks. Researchers from Cardinal Ops analyzed data from production sim platforms from companies like Splunk's, Microsoft Sentinel, IBM Curator, and Sumologic, and found that they have a detection for just about 24% of all MITRE attack techniques, meaning that adversaries can execute about 150 different techniques that can bypass sim detection, while only about 50 techniques are spotted, according to researchers. This is despite the fact that current sim systems actually do take in sufficient data to cover potentially 94% of all of these techniques. Moreover, organizations are largely deluded about their own security posture and are often unaware of the gap between the theoretical security they assume they have and the actual security they have in practice. MITRE attack, which is if you operate a SOC, if you've got analysts, they should always be mapping the MITRE, should be mapping the MITRE attack and defend. That should be your plan of action. Whenever a ticket is escalating, it should be the first thing you look at. It's literally the playbook of how to defend against these different styles of attacks. It's respected. It's vetted. It's got all the things for it, yet um, our, our sims don't appear to have that. A lack of sim fine-tuning is to blame for detection failure. Some of it involves fine-tuning. Other of it involves the fact that people don't know that it doesn't exist. They just assume it does. Um, and so some homework for all of y'all to go back and look at that and say, well, what gaps do we have? What are the 50 it does recognize or 75 MITRE frameworks it does recognize? What's the 150 it doesn't? And then... Um, how do we start to fine tune it and, and kind of build out that, that process as well. A new Mockingjay process injection technique is letting malware evade detection. This is coming from friends at the show over at Security Joe's researcher, Thiago Picasso, Felipe Duarte, and the uh, infamous Ido Naor. If you guys don't know who Ido is, definitely someone worth following. The injection is executed with space allocation, setting permissions, or even starting a thread according to them. The uniqueness of this technique is that it requires a vulnerable DLL and copying uh, code to the right section. Process injection is an attack method that allows adversaries to inject code into processes in order to evade process-based defenses and elevate privileges. In doing so, it could allow for the execution of arbitrary code in memory space of a separate live process. And this kind of goes to our EDR, XDR, MDR. They're all great. They're one level, but defense in depth here is really, really required. And looking at your memory and studying your processes and finding Security partners that are able to scan that space and identify it is even more critical. Um, it's according to the team over there, it's worth pointing out that each of these methods requires a combination of specific system calls and Windows APIs to carry out the injection, thereby allowing defenders to craft an appropriate detection and mitigation procedure. Especially if you've got API security, you definitely can run that. Most people look at API security through the gateway, predominantly internal going external, but how about internal to internal API calls? Uh, that that's also very important. What sets mocking J uh, what sets mocking J stands apart is that it subverts the security layers by eliminating the need to execute Windows APIs, usually monitored by security solutions, by leveraging pre-existing Windows portable executable files that contain default memory block protected with read-write execute permissions. This in turn is accomplished using a MSYS uh, 2.0 DLL, which comes with a generous 16 kilobytes of available RWX space, making it an ideal candidate to load malicious code and fly under the radar. However, it's worth noting that there could be other susceptible DLLs with similar characteristics. 
Security Joe said it explored two different methods, self-injection and remote process injection to achieve code injection in a manner that not only improved the attack efficiency, but also circumvents detection. Um, a worthy read of the report. And finally, the SEC's notice to SolarWinds, CISO, and CFO Royals, the industry. We started talking about this yesterday, and now we know a bit more information. So the SEC is now putting executives, uh, former executives at SolarWinds on notice that it may pursue legal action for violation of federal law in connection with their response to the 2020 attack on the company's infrastructure. Current and former employees and officers of the company, including the chief financial officer and chief information security officer, have received what are called Wells notices from SEC staff in connection with the investigation of the 2020 cyber attack. The Wells notice provided to these individuals uh, state that the SEC staff has made a preliminary determination or recommended the SEC file a civil enforcement action against the recipients alleging violation of certain provisions of the U.S. federal security uh, laws, according to SolarWinds uh, filing yesterday with the SEC. A Wells notice is neither a formal charge of wrongdoing nor a formal uh, a final determination that the recipient has violated any law. However, if the SEC does pursue legal action and prevails in a lawsuit, there could be a slew of various consequences to this. If the SEC were to authorize action against any of these individuals, it could seek an order in joining such individuals from engaging in future violations of provisions of the federal securities law subject to the action imposing civil monetary penalties and or barring from serving as an officer or director of a public company or providing for other equitable relief within the SEC authority, according to the SolarWinds filing. SolarWinds uh, itself, the SEC also sent a Wells notice to the company itself last year. In that notice, the SEC alleges violations of certain provisions of the U.S. federal security law with respect to our cybersecurity disclosures and public statement, as well as our internal controls and disclosure controls and procedures. SolarWinds is uh, looking to defend itself in an email sent by CEO Sudhakar uh, Ramakrishna uh, sent to employees stating that despite their extraordinary measures to cooperate with and inform the SEC, the agency continues to take positions that SolarWinds do not believe match the fact. They'll continue to explore a potential resolution of this matter before the SEC makes any final decision. And if the SEC ultimately decides to initiate any legal action, they intend to vigorously defend themselves. And I think most of the industry would back their defense here because we don't want this precedent. Meanwhile, uh, since this is happening, a lot of CISOs have kind of jumped in saying, whoa, this is uh, a bit crazy here. We'll see what what will, will happen here. I mean, this is technically one of the most, not technically, it might be one of the most sophisticated attacks to ever, cyber attacks to ever take place. Um, the question is, what did the SEC find in its investigation that's led it down this path? And so that's that's the missing detail here the sec hasn't said what laws were violated and how they believe those laws those federal laws were violated if there's clear evidence of that it's 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 a worthy discussion so as this kind of gets closer as i'm monitoring this i've got all my rss feed alerts set up the moment we hear something i'll be the first to try and bring you uh, an analysis of it that's it for our show this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more. On Friday, I've got a great, great episode dropping with my good friend Jason Dion. If you guys don't know who Jason Dion is, trained over, trained over a million IT and security folks to pass a lot of their certifications. Uh, he's launching one of his own now, uh, something very, very different around the NIST framework, a very fun and worthy conversation that'll air on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. right here with all the latest. 
Have a great rest of your day, y'all. And most importantly, in a world like ours, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.